0: Uh, Father, I just thank you so much uh, for this morning. Uh, This is a day that you have made, and we're just going to rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, We're just thankful to you, Lord God, that you have have left us so much. You've left us an inheritance. uh, You have left us an identity. You have left us a community. And you've left us your spirit. I thank you that you are a living God, that you're alive, that you're vibrant, and that we are living stones, that we are a body. And Lord, I just pray that this morning that each one of us would receive something uh, that would be of great importance. Each one of us would receive something that would really uh, make a difference in our lives. And not just our lives, but the lives of each other and the lives of the people we have not yet met. There's a whole harvest of people, a whole community of your followers that that aren't here yet. And I pray, Lord God, that this would just be one of of another, of many uh, just stepping stone, building blocks, powerful tools that we can utilize for your glory. And Abba, I just lift up Gary to you this morning. Thank you for him. Thank you, Lord, for his leadership that you have brought him to this place. And we've heard that testimony of how he came. And we've heard how you have guided his steps and Mary Lou's steps, or family, and brought him to this place. And now, Lord, we just pray that you would heal him up, uh, that he would just take his place um, as he has and be ministering to us. We pray that that would happen next weekend. And so, Father, we just thank you for our time with you, time together. Yeshua's mighty name, amen. Recently, I I had a little bit of an epiphany. I guess I use that word very carefully because I'm hoping, I'm trusting that it's a revelation. But I can't really know if it's a revelation until there's confirmation, until, you know, the body, until my fellow believers agree with me that it is an important truth that God has given me. Now, I've spent a lot of my time, I've been a believer 20 years, and a lot of my time has been dedicated to reaching out to people, Jewish people, non-Jewish people, reading apologetics, trying to just... Grow the body, grow the congregation, try to figure out how to reach people, how to, to minister to their hearts, to their souls, to the body, to try to figure out, okay, how, how can we get more people in? How can we see more people coming to faith, Jewish people, secular people, religious people? Muslim people, Hindu people. How do we do this? But of course, primarily, I was called to the Jewish people, but I live in Los Angeles, California, one of the largest multicultural cities on the planet. I think there's over 150 different cultures here, 600,000 Jewish people. LA County roughly 10 million people, greater LA city. I mean, I hope I don't bore you with all these statistics over 3 million people. And I'm, just, you know, and I figured, how do I how do I reach them? How do we reach them? God gave me just this, this word, this revel, you know this, this concept that's probably pretty basic. He said that the body, his body, is the visual manifestation of Yeshua Hamashiach, of Jesus the Messiah. His body, the universal body, the local body, Beth Ariel Con- messianic congregation. We are the visible manifestation of God on earth. Now, if you're a believer in Yeshua, then you are a child of God. If you put your trust in Him, if you believe that by His blood shed for you, He rose from the dead on the third day, that you are a child of God. It says that in Romans 8.14. But you and I together, we are living stones. He says, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We are the visible manifestation of Messiah on earth i just i don't know does that impact you i just kind of when that hit me i mean i've heard that truth maybe you have too but when that hit me it was like whoa you know until the lord returns and we see him and we will says that and i hope you and i believe it i hope you do too but until we see him return you and i we're it In terms of visibly seeing the Lord, His work, His life, living, because we are being conformed into His image. His life should be expressed through us. But we are His body. We are that visible picture. And you know, I've started looking into this a little bit more. The church, the congregation. And I've noticed something very kind of difficult to process for me. And that is that the congregation... The body of Messiah in North America is not growing. It's not growing. Statistically, over the last 10 years, we have not grown. As many people as are coming into the church, into the congregation, that many are leaving. That is a statistical truth. Some are getting bigger, while others are shrinking. 80%, 79% of congregations all over North, Carol- uh, North Carolina, I don't know about North Carolina, but North America, <laughs> North Carolina' actually seen a boom. But in North America, 79 percent are diminishing, declining. Of the 21 percent that are growing, 17 is by transfer growth. That means believers just going from different communities, and four percent are growing because of new believers. The median church size is about 75, the average about 180. So that's what we're facing. Why is this happening? Normally I don't think about these things, I think about how you need to get individual people saved. That's normally where my mind is at, but lately God has really moved me to a different place. I'm starting to think about the body, the body that I'm a part of. I'm not in South America, I'm not in Asia, I'm not in the Middle East where there's growth, I'm not in Vietnam, I'm here in Los Angeles, in North America. What's going on? And Lord, how do you want me to be a part of the solution? How does God want you, yes, you, to be a part of the solution? That's what we want to talk about. It's what I, that's what I believe God wants really for us to talk about here this morning and, and hopefully beyond if I can be so presumptuous. And I think that, that really the, the issue is really simple. It's discipleship. It's discipleship. It's truly being a disciple and discipling. It's not just coming to get, but coming to get to give. Coming to learn and to be equipped. I love your mission statement. I love, first of all, the fact that you project it. And I love what it said. And I, I took two words down. Equip and serve. That's awesome. That's a Gen X term, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> equip, come, be equipped, and then serve. That's powerful if we don't just use them as words. And I believe the Apostle Paul, some say Rav Shaul, the called out Pharisee of Pharisees who was brought out and who went and planted many, many communities of faith. He wrote a book called Ephesians. He wrote this book near the end of his life. In the, around 61 AD, in his first imprisonment. And in this book, I believe, you know, the first three chapters really do focus on our identity in him. But then he talks about the body and he talks about discipleship. And so I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and see this powerful, really, system. And I, I use the word system very carefully because when we think of system or program, then man's logic sort of gets infused into it. Man or woman, don't want to be prejudiced here. Women's logic too can mess things up just as much as man. All of us, our logic gets infused into it. So we have to be careful with the word system. But I think what the Apostle Paul is doing is he's giving in Ephesians 4, 1 to 16, a very powerful system for men and women to engage in that will hopefully energize and empower The body of Messiah. Empower the body of Messiah that he is so desirous. You know, he's already, by the time he's written the book of Ephesians 2, he's already gone on the mission trips that have been recorded in the book of Acts. He's nearing the end of his life, and he's really just, he's saying, I just want to see you guys. I I can't be with you anymore. I can't just feed you forever. In the same way the Lord left after three years, can no longer feed his disciples. They had to go be apostles. He's saying pretty much the same thing. I can't feed you anymore. You have to start discipling. You have to do the work. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I want to just stop there for a moment because before we can even talk about discipleship, there is one critical core truth that must be reckoned into our hearts. It's more than just a fact. It's more than just a, an important truth. It is something that has to be reckoned into our heart. And that is Yeshua is Lord. Yeshua, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of my life. Romans 10 verse 9. Confessing in your mouth Yeshua is Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. My life he's Lord. But he's also Lord of the harvest. Luke chapter 10 verse 2. And, And interestingly in Luke chapter 10 verse 2 it says that it tells us and he actually one of the few times where he gives us specific ways to prayer. Pray. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send out laborers. And that word laborers is specifically uh, evangelist teachers, people to go out and share the good news, but laborers, workers in the harvest field, that is a, a command that he gives. But something that sometimes we forget, he's also, according to Ephesians 4.16, uh, 4, he is head of the body. That he is our head. And he is head of the body. And this is an important core truth that we have to allow to move in us and minister to us and be our guiding light. The Spirit in us, telling us, reminding us, explaining to us that Yeshua is Lord. And that everything we do, everything really, I know this is convicting, it's, it's for me, everything we say is under His Lordship. Every decision we make and that he is head of the body, and you and I are a part of the body. And whatever he wants to communicate to us and share with us should equip, should edify the body. And so once we get these core truths, once we get this core truth that really we're saying, okay, Lord, this place, not some minister, not some good speaker or teacher, Not some wonderful plan, but ultimately you, Lord, you and you alone are our head. You are the head of this community. You are the head of the church of Los Angeles. You are the head of the North American church or congregation. And you are the head of the universal congregation of believers. That's critical. I mean, I'm spending a lot of time on that, but I think sometimes we forget that. Like, okay, Lord, you're the head. But now we've got this wonderful plan. This idea, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Are we really engaging him? Are we really asking for his, not just blessing, but are we really following what he has to tell us and teach us? Well, in Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, this system, this idea of discipleship is what I call the, the lifts system. So if you'll look at the slide above me, it says Yeshua lifts His body. And there are five responses. Once we understand that these responses in themselves have no power, but they are fueled by the headship and the lordship of Messiah, once we understand that, then I believe these are the five responses to that great core truth, that if we employ that and just sort of participate with the spirit moving and working in us through them i believe that god will do some radical things in his body the first is listen listen ephesians 4 1 through 6 listen to the lord got to get back there here ephesians 4 1 through 6 Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, and literally he is a prisoner, he's writing this epistle from prison, implore you to walk in a manner Worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, these are not the same words, but they're the same roots. Calling is more vocation, and called is that which he has spoken to you. So he's literally talking about the service, the vocation, that each and every one of us here today has a vocation, has something that God has called. Maybe many things, but in this particular case, at least one vocation. One calling by which the Lord has called you. With all humility and gentleness. These are the values that we in the body must hold dear. With patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as also you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And I think this is important, the word one there, that there's not divergent views, visions, plans, but that there really is one call, one body, one faith, one baptism, that we all come together under the headship of Messiah, and he really has one purpose and one goal, and that is to build up his body for the manifestation of his glory, that he might see many souls with him, for eternity you know his body will be with him for eternity the work we do of harvesting is really temporal and what is the core the key it's listening I like that word call that the Lord is calling and the first thing is is are we listening now in Mark chapter 7 verse chapter 7 there's what's the story of the transfiguration Transfiguration is really a powerful picture of of what Yeshua looks like in his glorified state, and he took Peter, James and John up there with him, and he revealed himself. And the God the Father, you know, God the Father didn't audibly speak too many times in Scripture, which is very important for us, I think, because if God the Father didn't speak too many times in Scripture in an audible voice, then maybe we need to be careful every time we might hear or think we hear God the Father. Okay, So when I'm talking about listening to God, it's not necessarily an audible voice. What it is, is it's doing what God said. In Mark chapter 7, verse 7, he literally says, you know, this is my beloved son. And then he says, listen to him. So if this is what the father is telling us, then this should be the first really core response to the truth that Yeshua is head of the body, that together we should be listening to him. And I have kind of, I use an alliteration. I like like acronyms. You know, Yeshua lifts his followers. The first one is listen to the Lord. And I also like alliterations. It's just sort of a way that for us to, and for me uh, personally, to try to remember things. And I have what I call the four T's. The first one is turn up. Turn up to the Lord. Worship him. And that's what we did today in a beautiful way. I mean, we worship the Lord. We're just turning to Him, and in a way, turning to Him is recognizing. It's always starting at the place of recognizing that He is Lord, He is Head, He is the King of my life. You know, sometimes even though you know we pray the prayer, and I believe in eternal security. You pray that prayer, you're saved. God, the Holy Spirit indwells your heart. But you know what? It's important. Every it's important to just magnify Him as King say you're king and turning him in worship you know one of the things too is when I start worshiping the Lord I don't know if this happens to you I'm always a little nervous about it because all of a sudden the Lord starts talking to me you know maybe it's Bible verses maybe it's a remembrance of something I did wrong maybe it's a remembrance of something I did right and I want to write them down or look them up you ever been in a, a worship service and you all of a sudden start uh, writing things down or sitting down, and people—I'm always afraid people are going to look at me like, well, "Why are you writing things down during worship? You should be worshiping the Lord." I don't know if uh, if that's uh, if that's your uh, if that's something that happens to you, but I think that's okay. I think that's part of when we're turning the Lord, even when we're doing it corporately. You know, when you worship the Lord corporately, it's powerful, and God may be saying things to you. And maybe that is a time just to jot some notes. Don't call attention to yourself. Let me taking some notes. But in your private time, when you're listening to the Lord, tune into what he's saying through his word, through the thoughts, through the things that you've been equipped with in Bible study. Also, take notes. You know, I just started journaling. I mean, really journaling. I always had a hard time journaling in the past because I never really understood it. And so what I would do is I'd wake up in the morning and I'd start going, okay, at 8 o'clock I woke up. I had my Fruit Loops, I'm gonna call these people, I forgot to call these people, you know, whatever. But after a while, i just be like, whoa, I, I just can't write all this. But now I just, I get in my quiet time or throughout the day when I'm, when I'm just sort of alone with my thoughts, which maybe is a little more than it should be, and I just start writing things down. Some people use uh, their phone or a recorder and they just start jotting messages. You'd be surprised. Now when we take notes and we write things down, we have to share them with others. And that's part of being part of a body. Another mature believer, an elder, an idea, a thought, something that comes to you, you can't keep them all to yourself because some of them may be wrong, but some of them may be right. And so sharing, and when you share it, you build up the body. I'd like to think that when I shared with you earlier about how God just gave me that word that, that we are the visible manifestation together, corporately, we sink or we, we rise or we fall together by the power of His Spirit because He is our head. I'd like to think that that's exciting to you, that that's a, a cause to come and be a part of this fellowship, to be here. And so we need to turn to the Lord and worship, we need to tune into what He's saying. You know, Blackaby who we, uh, when we went to Camp Sar Shalom two years ago, we went through experiencing God. And he said that if you're not experiencing or hearing God, then there is a problem at your core, at the core relationship, at your core walk with Yeshua, with Jesus. And again, that doesn't mean audible voices, that doesn't mean visions, that doesn't mean that you're healing people or walking through and seeing neon signs. What it just means is that you're taking a moment and you're hearing what God has to say. Jot it down, and share it in community. Some of the things, again, may not be accurate, but some of those things will build up and edify. Because we serve a living God. Recently, I was in Reno. We were at a memorial service uh, for for Lisa's mother. And we were staying at a home. And on one of the the shelves was a Buddha. Buddha. Now I'm staying in somebody's home, so I just kind of look at it, okay, you know, everybody's got their own little thing, and so I don't, you know, want to make waves. But I found out later that somebody took the Buddha from my house and turned it around. Now it faced the wall. Now this Buddha was a and, and was a was a wood object, it was a wood idol, and it, it couldn't turn itself back. But it reminded me that although some people worship idols and stones, we worship the living God, the living God of Israel, and he wants to speak to us. The second response is yes. We need to learn our gifts. I'm sorry, my mic is falling down here. We need to learn our gifts. And our elders, I believe that it's important for elders just to, one of the things that they desire to do is to start to organize our local body, as well as the universal body, based on these gifts. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Messiah's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? That he also had descended into the, power, to the lower parts into the lower parts, and he gave some, excuse me, to the lower parts, um, and he who ascended far above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. And so God, Yeshua, has given gifts. Now I like that sort of lead in that Paul gives, that he descended to the lower depths, but he also to the higher. He ascended to the highest heavens. And I think what that really is saying is that he has the power to give gifts. He fills all things, and his gifts matter for eternity. He's not just one of many gods and a pantheon of gods that is sort of doling out gifts to kind of keep his followers happy. No, he is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings, and he has given each and every one of us gifts. Now, in this particular passage, it's talking about ministerial or office gifts. The office of apostle, the office of teacher, the office of prophet. There are other passages like Romans 12 that talk more about what some call the grace gifts, the gifts of help, the gifts of mercy, the gifts of service. There are other areas where there are the universal gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. But regardless, each and every one of us has a gift. And whether we have a gift of teacher or we have a teaching gift or we have a gift that supports the gift of teacher, you and I need to learn those gifts. You know, and a lot of us I think we get a little wearisome or, or fearful of these gifts because when we start to look at them, we don't really understand them. But the, at the very least, what is the gift of apostle? A gift of an apostle is somebody who sends, who starts new things, new ministries, new small groups, new congregations. A teacher is somebody who clarifies and teaches the Word of God. An evangelist is somebody who shares and preaches the gospel. A prophet is somebody who, who just gets, who understands things a little bit clearer, the word of God. Uh, somebody who helps to reveal truth and also keeps people or communities from going off into heresies or, or, or divergent truths. And a pastor is somebody who tends and shepherds uh, the flock of God. As I share these gifts with you, maybe some of them are resonating with you. Maybe you're saying, to yourself, I don't know my gift. The Lord wants you to know your gift. Why? For the equipping of the body. For the equipping and service. Sure, we can do a lot of different things in our own strength. And we can help this local congregation. Or we can help our fellow brothers and sisters. But when we're ministering in our spiritual gift, a gift that the Lord has given and put and impressed upon you, then, you, then there's power. There's power in that and great blessing to the rest of the body. And that's, again, where elders come in. As the Lord, you know, Acts chapter 13 gives a really powerful picture of how Paul and Barnabas were ministering at the church of Antioch and the Holy Spirit separated them and said that these are my apostles to go out. This was the beginning of Paul's ministry uh, outreach to the world. And he separated, the Holy Spirit separated them. But then the church, the body, the congregation confirmed. And so we receive, we learn our gifts. And we shouldn't be doing it in darkness. We should be doing it under the guise, the guidance of mature believers who then help organize us and give us opportunity to minister those gifts. Which leads us to the next next, uh, response, and that's live in fellowship. Live in fellowship. Sort of a transition. You know, that we think of listening and learning our gifts as more independent or done in small groups, but living in fellowship. Coming, ministering, sharing, serving the body. Again, we are the visible manifestation of the, in, of, of the Lord Yeshua. All men will know, all people will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. When we're ministering in our gifts, we are reflecting who our head is, the Messiah. When we're ministering in our spiritual gifts, when we're ministering within the context of the body, when we're living in fellowship. Now, I know today it's hard to live in fellowship. It's not like back then or back when Yeshua had His 12 disciples and they were hanging out together all day long. We have work, we have jobs, we have busy schedules, we have responsibilities. Have you put those underneath the headship of Messiah? Have you? Have I? In other words, yes, you have a busy schedule. I have a busy schedule. We have families. But have we made our fellowship? Have we made the body a priority? And I'm not just saying the whole body. But maybe parts of the body. Maybe a small group. Are we calling people and ministering? Are we sending out an email, a text? Are we, if God has put on your heart, to have people over to your home this holiday season, this Hanukkah season? Are you doing that? See, connection can be creative. But we need to connect with the body. This is not... If if your experience, your experience is just one Sunday a week, then that is not enough. That's not living in fellowship. But how do we make that change? It starts with listening to the Lord. Listen to him. Ask him, Lord, how can I be more connected? Put your schedule before the Lord and say, Lord, my schedule is busy, but I know connecting with the body is a priority. What do you want me to do? And let him go through by the power of his spirit and start to help you, help me prioritize things that matter prioritize things that matter. And of course, your family is part of the body and connecting with them is a priority. So I don't want anybody to go, well, what about my family? No, family obviously is critical. You know, I have my, my uh, sons here today. I have my three older boys right here. Elijah, Isaac, and Joseph. They're right here. They're very important. They're becoming young men. I'm very excited about what the Lord is going to do in their life. And they're also part of the body. Uh, they've all professed the faith in Yeshua they've all been mikvahed and I'm excited to see what the Lord is doing and they are a priority and when I connect with them I am connecting with the body of Messiah our family is part of that living stone unleashing our testimony unleashing our testimony the body must be a body that projects itself out to the world we have to let as we listen to the Lord as we learn our gifts and our place in the body, as we fellowship and love each other, there should be a testimony that goes out to this world. Not just an intellectual testimony, like Isaiah 53 and taking Isaiah 53 and and logically going through, And, and that is powerful. I'm not here to minimize that. That's powerful and that's what I do. I show people how the verses of Isaiah 53 powerfully reflect and show who the Messiah of Israel would be and of course I believe that he's Yeshua of Nazareth, God the Son, putting our faith in him. That testimony is important. But the testimony of how God has radically altered your life for the better is as important and I would dare say even more important. How you're listening to God, how you have a place in not just this side but all eternity how you have a fellowship that loves you and you love, how you have a place that matters, a calling, a purpose, unity of faith, unity of spirit, that should matter to the world. You know, Emerson says that men, women, live lives of quiet desperation. On the outside, they may look good. On the outside, on the inside, they're looking for truth. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose. And yes, logic counts intellectual discussion is important but how is the living God making a difference in your life I think that's a powerful witness I think that's a witness that people might just fall on their face and say your God lives as it says in first Corinthians chapter 14 to 26 when they see that when they see that radical transformation I had a meeting with a pastor from Nepal this pastor was a, really an amazing man. You know, he's now heading up a homeless shelter in, on Sadako near Woodman. An amazing testimony. He came to faith. He was a, a Hindu, a worshiper of idols. He came to faith because he believed that our God, the living God, was after him. Both through the personal witness of his brother, as well as through reading scripture, as well as just God-ordained coincidences in his life. He came to faith and he, his father kicked him out of the house. He found a pastor, and the pastor first let him just help in cleaning the sanctuary, in helping with serving food, and and just putting things together. But the pastor saw something in him, and before you know it, he's going off to Bible school, he becomes a pastor, he plants ten churches. You see, his testimony is being unleashed. He's on fire for the Lord. He's doing amazing things. And you know what happened to him? The communists who were trying to take over Nepal, got wind. And they drove him out of the, they drove him out of the church of Nepal. They drove him out of the country. He's here under political asylum. But those ten churches, they're still living. They're still thriving. They're not just surviving. They're vibrant. Why? Because he taught... His people, not just how to, where the fish is, that's important, but he taught them how to fish. You know, you feed, you feed a man a fish or a woman a fish, you feed him for a day, you give him a rod and reel, you feed him for a lifetime. He's here, his heart is for Nepal. He's serving here as a minister at a homeless shelter. He's trusting the Lord for when he can go back to Nepal. But right now, those churches are living. They're alive. They're surviving. There's good men and women ministering because they know how to fish. They've been given a rod and reel. And it's not just about being given a rod and reel, it's about understanding your inheritance. Your inheritance is to have a vocation. Ephesians 4 1, the calling by which you've been called. Listen, learn your gifts. Live in fellowship. Unleash your testimony. And finally, launch. We need to launch people. Just, you know, drop kick them. No. We need to send. Sending. Sending. We have to start to think in terms of, okay, yeah, we want to build up our local congregation. But every once in a while, somebody special comes into a congregation. Somebody or some people. We should want them to come to this fellowship, this congregation. We should want them to come in, and we should be looking to send them out. You know, when Paul and Barnabas came to the church in Antioch, the congregation, I am sure when the, when the Holy Spirit, I, I almost would, would just guarantee that when the Holy Spirit separated those two and said, they're going, I have a feeling that the pastor of that congregation wasn't all that excited about it. I mean, can you imagine having to get rid of, you know, send, I mean, in a way I'm sure he was, but in a way, I mean, who would probably minister better in your congregation than if we had you know, the Apostle Paul here for about two years, which is about the amount of time I think he spent at Antioch. But then the Holy Spirit separated him and Barnabas, and they had to send him, and they had to be obedient. And you and I, we need to be looking. I'm praying. That's part of my prayer. Yeshua said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers. And some of those workers don't come back. Are we ready to do that? Is somebody gifted, dynamic, talented, who we just know God wants them to go somewhere other than spend, you know, other than here? I mean, this is an equipping season for them, but at some point we've got to send. Are we ready to do that? I think a lot of times we hold on to that person. And I'm not saying that person shouldn't be held on to. This is where listening to God, a work of the Spirit, understanding our vision comes into play. Of course. That church, that congregation at Antioch, they sent them off. Will we? Will you? Those are the five responses. And as I think of our children, as a matter of fact, it's one thing you know, they've, they've become believers. They've been mikvahed. They understand the truth. But are they learning how to really have a relationship? With the living God. You know. Are we just giving them religion? Bunch of rules. Do's and don'ts. Do this. Don't do that. And when they do the wrong thing. We're getting upset. And when they do the right thing. We're good. We're happy. Or are we really teaching them about a relationship. That God lives in heaven. He lives in their heart. He lives in this fellowship. And when you come here. You can experience the living God. Are we teaching them that? Are Are you and I believing that? Are they learning their gifts? Are you learning your gifts, being equipped? Are you living in fellowship? Are you desiring the fellowship? Is your testimony on the tip of your tongue, and I don't mean just a testimony of how you came to faith, but also a testimony of what happened last week. When you run into an unbeliever, or somebody who does not yet know the Lord, are you able to say, this is what God is doing in my life, and excited about it? And finally, sending. And you know what the uh, Count von Zinzendorf, that's a kind of an interesting name, the Moravian Church, they said, you know, we should be ready to be the answer to our prayers. Maybe as you pray for workers to go into the harvest, maybe you're that worker. I have a vision. I hope it's from the Lord. I have a mission. I would like to just see congregations start to bring up all over the valley, maybe they're really maybe congregations are a little bit lofty. maybe just small groups, small gatherings, people getting together in Starbucks, all over, praying, learning their gifts, being disciples. all over L.A., all over North America, all over the world. L.A., Los Angeles, the Messianic congregation, this area, we should be the most I don't want to be proud. But why can't we be the most influential? Or one of the most, I'm willing to share it. One of the most influential messianic centers at this time on this planet. We have to be ready to release. We have to be willing to, to listen, to learn, to live, to unleash and launch. And that may mean humility. Humbling ourselves, gentleness, patience. I may mean that I might have this big dream, but it might not be satisfied through me. It might be satisfied through one of them, or not at all, because the congregation may say that's not where we're going. Point is, is let's be bold for the Lord. Let's pray.